Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are some version of my journals out loud. And we're going to take a deep breath in through the nose, clean out all that old air in our lower lobes. I won't uh, exhale on you here on the microphone. And pause. We're going to move into our pause energy and just relax. And it is, I believe, February 2nd. 2024. Just we're going to have 2424 four here in a couple days. Pretty sure it's Friday. And we are uh, going to risk recording this podcast because the sun is rising, but we have had a nightmare of a night. And so I'm going to push the limits and see if I can get the dogs to sit still through their normal go out time. They seem to have some kind of instinct when the sun comes up to want to go back out. Because we've already been out 578 times this night. But before we do that, let's ask why we are here. And I'm not even sure what I'm going to call this. I'm having so many things swirl in me that I want to talk about, which is part of the problem when I get too tired because I haven't slept for two nights. Uh, I am in a heightened emotional state. I am exhausted. Uh, But I want to get this out while it's fresh and real. Uh, And I'm in the feeling portion of it because, you know, we've done this thing where we demonize the energy of emotion and feeling as if somehow it's bad and logic and reason should rule the world. And that isn't going to ever work. There's a place for both logic and reason and emotion and energy and feeling. And we've demonized the feeling because what we're seeing is a lot of hysterical reactions by people. And so we make the feeling wrong instead of asking the question, why are they even acting like that? You know, and we're all out of balance. We're all whacked out. And, you know, as I'm sitting here, if somebody came up to me and just put one tiny bit of pressure, I talked about this. I don't know where, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Once I start doing video, I don't remember what I say where, but, but what happens at least for me, and this is a nervous system thing, is if I'm already under so much pressure in my own tiny little world and just one little thing pushes at me, you know, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And it's not that I'm psycho and irrational and, you know, therefore need to be put down because I'm no value to the world. It's because, you know, maybe I haven't slept for two nights, right? So we're so judgmental about everybody else's way of being in the world. And, you know, we have to make a decision how we want to manage that within ourselves, because we're never going to be able to manage that with everybody else. So uh, what I want to do with you today is kind of take you on a process of things that I've been thinking about that aren't uh, going to be that coherent, but it's all important. And I don't know you know, how it's going to unfold. Uh, Sometimes when I ramble, it comes out really well. Sometimes it doesn't. But before we do that, we're going to move into the end of the month and the beginning of the month is normally when I ask you for some version of support, uh, whether you are uh, interested in upgrading to a paid subscription here at Substack, or you would like to make uh, a monetary uh, donation, I will uh, put the link in the, the... Uh, description at Jill's Journals, and it's just under support or donate. And uh, I haven't set anything else up. I have other systems I'm 
needing to get set up. It's just on the long list of things to do. So, uh, and, and in regards to that, that sort of goes to what I want to speak about in a more general way is that, uh, you know, it's so hard for me because I want to provide something that's of value, but, you know, I know people get in their heart, you know, they want to help me. And I struggle with that. And that's part of what I want to talk about is like, what is important? Because uh, in the same way that we have a lot of judgment about people who are too emotional, uh, we have a lot of judgment about people we don't deem as productive. You're, you need to get off your rump and work. And if you can't work, you deserve to die. And that sounds awesome, 20 to 45, 50 years old. But at some point, you know, your productivity may start to wane or you might have a medical condition or something happens and your capacity to be hyper productive tends to wind down. And all of a sudden, as I'm experiencing and so many other people are, you're recognizing that society doesn't value you because you're not producing and even, you know, now we, we get mad because people are coming across the border who are getting money hand over fist who aren't productive, but they are producing votes to keep people in power because the people in power's value system is, you know, control, power, money, things like that. So they're doing what they need to do to sleep at night and get their stuff done. And the rest of us are walking around going, what happened? And then we're having a lot of emotion about that. We're having a lot of anger. Uh, you know, we, often the people who are most prone to speak to logic and reason are just trying to suppress their angry feelings. Uh, you know, my theory is one of the reasons why Alex Jones is so loved and hated is he over emotes. He's super wired for danger. So he is highly explosive and highly emotional and has so much range in his anger and rage and fury that he's validating for people who wish they could be emotional and don't, or people who are afraid of emotion hate him because they are represent, he represents something that, you know, you don't want in yourself. You don't like that push energy coming at you. Uh, and I'm with you. I don't like that push energy coming at me, but I recognize that I am someone who does the pushing and it's a lifetime of letting go of stepping back. Stop it, Jill. You know, people pushing at you isn't you pushing at other people isn't helpful in the same way. You know, when you're on a trigger, like I often am, I can't take one more push thing. You know, someone pushes at me, gets a little bit of pressure. It could just be an innocuous statement. And I explode because I can't take one more thing. And so, you know, in this last podcast, I delved into this, what I'm going to start calling the language of energy, which is really what we've been talking about for two years. Uh, and the nervous system, because that's the that's the protector. That's what we, we operate more out of what we're afraid of than what we love. And so uh, I don't want to do that conversation today. What I want to really dive into is, you know, as I have forced myself to ask for support, you know, once a month, uh, my struggle is that, as I said, you know, I don't want it to be a support for me as in someday I will offer something of value. And, you know, one of the aha moments I've been having with this whole masculine feminine energy that I've been talking to you about and my 
upsetness that I can't be a girl. I'm stuck in being the boy. I dress like boy. I physically, you know, stomp around all day. You know, I'm having to fix cars and do crap that I don't want to do anymore. But it finally occurred to me that the reason I can't get into the feminine is because the masculine must be done. You know, the masculine is the survival energy. It's the physicality. It's the mental organization. You know, the feminine is more emotional and spiritual, which I can do for a tiny window, you know, in the morning before the sun comes up. But most of my day requires me to get into the masculine energy to get shit done. And because we don't truly value the feminine energy, and that's not everybody, but, you know, American has this rugged individualism, right? That, and especially wire for danger people who like to be super productive and super functional, that we don't value that. And so we don't value that in ourselves. Plus, we just can't get to it. And as my energy decreases and wanes and reduces, you know, I get more desperate because I still, I can't even get the basics done, much less get into the, the softness. I'm just listening to see if there's more rain. I have some stuff outside. Uh, you know, I, I can't get to it because I'm exhausted and the feminine doesn't do well in a state of exhaustion. And the reason the feminine is exhausted is because she's busy doing all this stupid masculine crap all the time. And the only way to absolve myself of that would be, you know, you get married and you hopefully get a man that does all that stuff, or you have a lot of money and you pay someone to do all that stuff for you. But if you're somebody, you know, that's usually kind of a wire for danger person, you still want to do all that stuff yourself. You don't have a lot of energy to give. I mean, you don't have a lot of desire to give those things away. And what all that is, is this crazy dance of energy and expectations and ideas and how none of it is a problem with one solution. All of it is the best I am understanding as I age into all these things and observe and learn and experience is that we get to choose what we want to value and then we get to have the experience on the other side of that. And the value system I have is, uh, has been, you know, I like to do all this stuff myself. I like to do all this stuff myself. Uh, but now I'm getting to a point where I can't do all this stuff myself. And the uh, terror around that, and it's not just me, it's a lot of people. You know, it used to be just when you got really old, but now, you know, more and more people are getting sick younger and younger and younger. And, uh, you know, part of this was I uh, have just been, you know, kind of listening to other people's stories. And uh, I saw a short news clip on the farmer crisis. You know, farmers and ranchers are committing suicide. And you heard that referenced if you watched that documentary that I posted, which I highly recommend listening to her talk in that last uh, in the podcast I did a couple days ago. And many of the men committed suicide because they couldn't handle what was happening. And it's happening again. A lot, you know, the farmers in India are committing suicide. And, you know, the interesting thing about farmers and ranchers, highly productive, highly functional, highly, uh, there, it's so much work. And most of them have a 
true passion for it. I mean, they love the hard work. They love the day in and the day out. You know, the guy who was uh, had the cow farm when I first got to there, you know, he was, I think, 76 when I got on there, and he wasn't able to do all the work anymore. And he was in such a state of depression because he loved the cows. He loved farming. You know, he was a school teacher because that's the only way you can pay the bills because farming and ranching are terrible uh, money systems the way we have it set up right now. And just would be depressed. And, and I would try to explain to him and his wife, you know, this is more of a situational depression because it's the loss of not being able to do what you love. It's not so much that you are uh, chemically imbalanced. It's that you're grieving for a life that you can't have anymore. And that's really hard. But as I was listening to the story and stories of these other, you know, the farmers and the ranchers is that the system, we've set up a system that is making it impossible to produce food. And in their isolation, they're giving up. And I'm, you know, and they try to talk to mental health people who don't understand. And they finally, you know, there's like one therapist who grew up on a dairy farm. And so she's being more helpful. But, you know, the, the they're throwing at this problem, you know, therapy and mindfulness and meditation and, you know, crap like that. And while that's all valuable, the real issue is, you know, we're making it impossible to run a farm and a ranch. And as a culture in a country, how effing stupid is that, that we are not, we don't care about our food. And so we just are oblivious because we want cheap food. Uh, for those of you who don't know, mostly uh, in, in historically, 25% of your income would go to your food. We pay in America historically less than 10%. Uh, but in a country where it exceeds 50% of your income, that's when revolution happens. Get ready. So we've enjoyed a false uh, sense of uh, comfort with food production because we don't spend very much money on it, which is why the quality is crap. But that's a discussion for another day. The point being is that he's trying to do it all by himself. And he has his family but he's sharing, he's not sharing the burden. He's trying to do it all himself. And, you know, my experience on all these uh, farms and ranches is, you know, there's people like me who desperately want to own land, but I don't, I, I want to be on land. I don't want to own land. You know, just give me a place to park and let me help. And how resistant they were to me helping, how judgmental they were about my capacity to help. Yet the ones who, uh, had faith in me, you know, I, I was very good at being able to tell when there was a, a health problem with one of the, the cows or, uh, you know, if there was an emergency with the babies, because, you know, a lot of these farms in, you know, the New Mexico and stuff, you know, he has a hundred mile loop where all his farms are. So he can't visually see all his animals. Uh, and I could call up and say, you know, this, something's happening and they could come and they would save the baby. And, you know, that's a lot of money is, and all it takes is another pair of eyes. And the cost is, is free if you're just letting me park on your land. And so we're, we don't think that way. We think, how am I going to do it all by myself? Because we're supposed to be productive. We're supposed to be rugged individually. And 
And instead of looking at what the situation is and asking better questions, you know, mental health people want to give you mental health help. I'm looking at it as a mental health professional saying, well, it's stupid to try to give you medication to feel better about a problem that is real. And it's a real problem when your government is taking away your capacity to produce food, which is an essential to life. I mean, it's not like you're just out there producing something, you know, some plastic bauble, right? So, uh, you know, this is food and we're just like oblivious and we're still trying to solve problems in ways that just aren't addressing what the real issues are. And, you know, America was built on this idea of rugged individualism. And you read these stories, you know, about the pioneers and holy cow, their lives were hard. Uh, And the people who were alone and isolated, the women, tended to go crazy. And I, um, when I got on the prairie, right, with the amount of wind and I could see the houses, you know, the old houses, and I thought, no wonder they went crazy. You know, I can get in the car and drive someplace, but oftentimes, you know, they'd be 10 miles away from another person uh, alone for months at a time. You know, the men would leave and go hunt and, you know, the woman would be home alone with the kids. And... Yet she's she's just she's not producing. She's not valuable except for, uh, you know, having children and keeping the house. And we don't we view these things in ways that have been historically supported. But we're moving into a time where we have to decide what's of value. And as I was sitting here, you know, and is it our pride? Is it our uh, commitment to? Uh, having feelings is bad, you know, and and one of the conversations I've been having in my head is what is valuable about feminine energy that's equal to men and masculine energy of value that does not require us to have babies or to have sex? Like at what point are we of value outside of the highly functional producing world? And and as I age, you know, on all these women who are getting older, you know, age alone, you know, there's this fantasy, you know, that your kids will take care of you. And what I learned as a social worker was, uh, you know, what would normally happen to a woman with children is a married woman with children is her husband would get sick. He would drain all the financial resources uh, and the kids, you know, don't want to help. And so you'd have this old woman who's sick and alone and poor with kids who don't show up very often or are as problematic or more so, you know, they're drug addicts or they're, uh, you know, not, they don't help or they just sit in the house and take resources. And we have this nuclear family fantasy that I never saw put into play as a social worker. In fact, I remember the kids, adult children of these parents would look at me and say, what are you going to do? The social worker, how are you going to take care of my elderly parent? And I'm like, it's not, I don't take care of your parent. It's your parent. And there was just no capacity to understand that there's not some system out there that magically takes care of everybody. And the way that it's been operating is that, yeah, some people have done okay, but it's been a lot of isolation and loneliness for a lot of people. Almost every older woman, and these ranching towns are filled of single old women. They are sad, lonely, and depressed sitting in their houses, surrounded by tons of land, and they all own tons of land. And 
and there's all it's you know to me all I can see are solutions to these problems that don't need to be problems but we don't look at things that way because we don't value it you know and as I was thinking about how I wanted to talk about all this because I'm struggling you know I'm watching my physicality decline I've had uh, you know we've been up for two nights the first night I was sick the second night last night they were sick and it's raining outside and we have to keep going outside uh you know for the diarrhea and you know and I'm looking at them as I'm thinking about what I want to share with you and you know I've got all this time and energy putting into them the dogs themselves are not productive right the dogs do nothing but take my time money and energy and I think that's how we think about, you know, women and children in a lot of ways. They do nothing but require the the use of people who are, quote unquote, productive. And I thought, you know, they do just take, 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 but they also give. You know, their value to me is non-monetary. It's love. It's companionship. It's a reason to get up in the morning. It's something to care about. You know, they keep me on a schedule. Uh, they keep me moving forward when I want to pull the covers over my eyes. Now, it sucks when you have to pull the covers back three times in the middle of the night, but that's sort of the price you pay. And, you know, and I've had that as a woman traveling, you know, that people have been so kind and generous, but I've been so careful about trying not to need help uh, because, you know, while the women who step in and you know, offer help or do you want to park here or that kind of stuff. They don't expect anything. And some of the men don't, but a lot of the men want companionship and, you know, a sexual exchange. And well, if I don't want that, then there's no, then I can't help you. And we see that with children. We're abusing children in starving countries. Do you want this can of food? You have to have sex. We see that in times of depression and famine. You want this can of food? Then you have to have sex or you have to clean or you have to do this thing. And, and that is the value. What are you going to give me for this? There's no value in the life itself. And the other side of that is the migrant thing and the, the welfare thing and all the things we do to pay people to not be responsible. We're in this really weird place, you know, and, you know, all I can think of is if you have the can of food for the kid, can't you just give them the can of food? Why do you have to take something that you don't need? It's something that you want that causes harm. Like, what is that? It's so hard for people who don't feel that way to understand. Now, I can understand it in, intellectually, you know, professionally, uh, physio psychologically, but emotionally and spiritually, it just kills me that somebody would make a child do something so perverse to that child and, and destructive because the child is hungry and just needs something to eat. And that's a decision that we make. It's a cultural decision. It's going on all the time, this exploitation, this violation, because we don't really value the feminine side of the equation. And most women who are successful have to enter into the masculine side. You have to be productive. You have to be functional. You have to produce, produce, produce. And, and, and I'm just venting because I'm watching myself and I'm watching what's happening. Uh, and I'm listening to, 
what people think that they need to do to solve the problem. Uh, and, you know, this, the letting go and the grieving that this isn't a problem that's going to get solved. And uh, I had just seen a, a short report. If you guys uh, don't follow Greg Reese, he just did a short report on the differences between what Russia is doing to prepare for a, uh, which, you know, uh, pole flip, sun goes boom, climate change, whatever version of that, you know, they're doing all this stuff to prepare and provide for their people, which is masculine energy, protect and provide versus America, which is perverse, right? What can I take and abuse and violate uh, our leadership? Because that's a reflection of who we are. It's a reflection of who we've become. You know, the one thing that nobody wants to hear is no one's doing anything to us. You know, we've created the situation by allowing it because we don't value. Now, I'm not saying a bunch of us individually don't, right? Because there's lots and lots of people whose hearts are just open and leaking all over the place. And, you know, and I'm in horror, right, of all the, the charities that we thought where we were helping children and animals. And it turns out there was terrible things happening behind the scenes. So, you know, I think we're in this moment where all these things are being brought to the surface. So we get to choose again, we get to decide again. But what's been so powerful from my personal experience is how much of my life I've lived as trying to produce and function and be strong and do it myself and not needing help and uh, you know, not ever wanting to ask for help. And if I do ask for help, how can I give that as an exchange? And then, okay, maybe I can't exchange with you, but, you know, how can I give someplace else? And in, in all my traveling, that was always the deal I made with myself because people have been so helpful to me and generous. Yes, you can park on my land. Yes, you can, uh, you know, do X, Y, and Z. So I've always focused on what can I give back, even if it wasn't to that person? Because I think, you know, that's the best way to do it is don't worry about tit for tat. Just make sure that you're doing, you know, your side in terms of giving. Uh, but how, you know, when you're aging, the things that are most valuable, if you don't have money and you don't have physical strength, there's all this need. You know, there's children who need attention. There's animals who need attention. There's all these people working like crazy that need help and support. There's all these areas where what women have that's valuable, the feminine energy that has valuable, the nurturing, the comfort, the beauty, uh, the, the support, you know, the companionship, all the things that are, sorry, the dogs are activating if the microphone's getting hit, uh, you know, that, that are, are valuable but aren't necessarily valued. And how it isn't up to anybody else to change, man or woman. It's up to us to decide what we're going to do with that and then just own that as an energy. And, you know, and that's why you've heard me talk over and over and over about, you know, I just want to be a girl. I want to integrate more of the feminine within me and this horror show realization that I've created a life that is so masculine in terms of the necessity of doing, producing, functioning, fixing, building, solving problems, uh, all this stuff that 
I personally, just me, not everybody, just me, I don't have enough energy to even get to the other side. And that's why so many women, I think, are angry is because, uh, you know, we were just trying to explore parts of ourselves. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And none of us can really know and prepare for how we're going to age because none of us had any, even if you understood all the changes that were coming, uh, I don't think anybody could have appreciated how the changes are coming or what that actually means for us individually. And you can watch movies and read books all day long, but, you know, this personal experience of witnessing how many things are happening to so many people. I, you know, one of the things that just takes me aback is, and as a social worker and a therapist, you know, you get to hear what goes on inside people's homes, no matter what the outside looks at like, and everybody has something going on. You know, everybody's got things going on inside their walls that are difficult, and they don't talk about them. And you know, my experience uh, when I was, you know, doing the social work stuff is the people who needed the most help, man or woman, would never ask. And the neediest people or the most manipulative people would ask constantly, and they'd be in the front of the line. You know, and I've talked about that where I had uh, people who were quote unquote, you know, disabled and helpless you know, making three times as much money as me as I'm sitting there, you know, trying to put myself through school and I'm working jobs. And, you know, I'm like, how are you getting so much money doing nothing? And I am, you know, running around with my hair on fire because I quote unquote, want to help you get more money so you can do nothing. You know, I God, if I had to do it over again, right, this whole burning passion to help people, it's, you know, was it worth it? I don't know. Uh, I am fascinated with who we are and how we evolve and what we choose as being important. And and all of that is the abstraction and the practical, the day in and the day out and the, you know, getting up multiple times, you know, not getting sleep, being tired, you know, being too tired to do the rest of the day. And you know, trying to do the right thing, you know, trying to take these two damn dogs that are a lot of work. And it's not just me, you know, it's like I said, this is everybody, everybody has something going on at home that that nobody else knows about. And, and because we have sort of this culture of rugged individualism, you know, the leftovers, I don't, the, the younger generations don't have that, you know, it's the Gen X and baby boomers, I don't think the millennials or the Gen Zs or whatever, they don't have that rugged individualism, that need to be uh, self-sustaining, the need to be on your own two feet, you know, the need to do it all yourself, uh, the need to not be uh, needy, right? I'm strong. I can take it. I remember having that conversation with a nurse friend of mine as I was getting ready to quit social work. And, you know, our department was cut by 50%. I mean, people kept going out on medical leaves, which means you couldn't hire anybody. And so the workload just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, people are just dropping like flies because you can only, you know, double, triple your workload for so long before you burn out, right? Atlas shrugged. I mean, there's a point where you can't hold the system up anymore. And, you know, I'm and me telling her, I can't do it anymore. You know, I'm just like, I'm getting sick. If I don't get out of here, I'm going to be 
you know, I'm going to have cancer or something bad is going to happen to me. And her saying, I know, but I can't leave. I can't do it because I'm strong. I can take it. And it's all this, you know, I'm strong. I can take it people energy that is a beautiful thing. And it's also something that, you know, I think we really need to take a hard look at because we keep wanting to say there's an answer to every problem and then everything will be okay. And I think there's this idea, right, that the world will go back to normal and I don't have to change. My physical world will go back to normal and I don't have to change, right? And we're past that. And until we get hungry, you know, I don't think it's going to change in America. I think if you really want to create a future for your family, you have to probably go someplace else. But it is so different, I think, when you experience it than when you just talk about it or think about it. And some people just tune it out. They just, you know, stay drugged or drunk or watch TV or stay busy or all the different, or tune it out or shut it down. Uh, but I think it's hard when you have intelligence and you have curiosity and you have compassion and you have empathy to just ignore, you know, what's going on. And, you know, I saw that it's not just the children that are getting abandoned at the borders. Now they're abandoning their dogs at the borders. I mean, there's all this terrible sadness that's happening that is so unnecessary. And yet, you know, we are here. And there's no fixing all of it, but it impacts all of us. And how whatever version of the world, you know, we imagined, I'm sure none of you thought that this would be the world that we would be aging into. Even if it was theoretical, the reality of it is very scary. And, you know, there's lots and lots of people who are still in the bubble and don't have any of this as a reality check yet, but I believe at some point, you know, most of us will. Uh, and some people do good, right? Some people are going to be in the right spot with the right supplies and just sail through, coast through. But most of us are going to be impacted in some way. Um, I just started reading The Road uh, by uh, McCormack. I forgot his first name. Ugh. McCarthy Cormac, I think, Cormac McCarthy. And I'm only, uh, it's a fast read. I'm like a third of the way through, but it's just fast read. And, you know, that to me is worst case scenario. That's post-nuclear, that's, or whatever happened. And while it's only been the two characters, it's just been the father and the son. You know, he, the son is the reason he gets up in the morning. You know, the son is the hope. It's the light. It's the child. The child is not productive. The child is not functional. The child isn't doing anything to make his life easier or better. It's everything about it is making it harder. You know, he's having to watch his child starve and, you know, trying to keep his child alive. And, you know, knowing he's sick, knowing it's temporary, desperately trying to get his child. I mean, uh, you know, I watched the movie, so I know kind of how it ends, but desperate to find a way to keep his child uh, safe. And at the end of the day, you know, those are the things that matter the most, but they're not productive. They don't, they're not equal to money uh, and just, you know, straight out charity, right. With everybody sitting on their ass, collecting money, you know, universal basic income. Well, the, 
while the robots do our work for us, you know, that doesn't work either because there's a lot of joy in being productive. There's a lot of joy in making things. You know, it feels good to be strong. It feels good to be functional. Uh, You know, those people who've never had that experience, that's a tragedy. But Part of the human experience is to move through each stage of, ch- of being helpless and vulnerable as a child, as being a productive adult, of being a wise mentor, to being a person who's no longer able to physically maybe push through and do everything they have to do every single moment of the day all by themselves. And, you know, there is no fantasy where... Uh, everybody has this perfect setup and life on earth is utopian. That's just never going to happen. You you have to make a decision about what you think the purpose of the world is. But at a practical level, you know, what, Mm -hmm. what's happening uh, and why I started all this diatribe with you today. There she goes. She's doing her whiny thing. We're 15 minutes past normal walking time. You know, I started all this because my heart is breaking, you know, for me, for you, for us. I've had so many awarenesses of people that I know who are struggling in private. uh, And I can feel, you know, their fear and their fragileness. I can feel my fragileness. Uh, You know, I've just had this string of things go wrong that are little, but just, you know, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? Like there's a point and how scary it is and that there's no single simple solution. Money doesn't solve everything. The right home doesn't solve everything. Uh, The right people don't solve everything. The right body that's physically strong enough doesn't solve everything. You know, the right family doesn't solve everything. You know, we're all in this place of imperfection, But the only thing I do know that's not going to work to get us out of it at this point is holding on to the old idea of, for those of us who are older, like I said, I don't think the younger people have this in them uh, in the same way. They have a lot of judgment about everybody else, which is normal when you're young. But I think this culture of rugged individualism, you know, I'm strong, I can do it, I can take it on myself. Uh, I think that is one the big shift that we're going to see, uh, you know, from from you know a conquer and control and shifting to how are we going to be creative and cooperative? Because you know the biggest thing I learned from traveling and being around all these different people is there's an infinite supply of solutions. There's enough land. There's enough stuff laying on the ground. There's enough ways to make food. You know, there's enough water. There's enough of everything. What there's not enough of is for all of us to be able to function and work together to think in new ways and still be safe, you know, to not have the the psychopaths and the criminals and the manipulators and the victims, you know, come in and try to take and take and take, you know, those of us who are all about never asking for help, you know, we need to figure out a different way to do it because, you know, even trying to, to give new, you know, one of the reasons I, you know, have, 
have given up so many things is how resistant. You know, when I was in Mount Nair, it was the perfect town for tourism. It had all these positives. I spent, you know, a year trying to pull together a marketing plan and get people on board on how everybody's businesses could improve. And nobody could get out of their single bubble. Nobody could work together. And and through the year, again and again and again, people would come up to me and say, oh, yeah, I tried that. Oh, yeah, so-and-so tried that. Like 20 different people have tried to do exactly what I tried to do. And you just, nothing ever changed. The, the city could not get past everybody's individual faction or their own personal business or their own belief system to work together to make the town itself resilient they just couldn't. And it, you know, it was shocking to me how so much potential could just lay at the wayside. And we're in that same place. We are infinite potential. Everything that is awesome could become manifest within the United States. We have everything. Almost every country has a way to pull together and offer something of value. But the way that we've been doing it isn't going to work because we're at the conclusion of why it doesn't work. You know, thinking, oh, I'm just going to go back to the good old days and then everything will be fabulous. That had a cycle to it. We're at the end of the cycle where the rugged individual super producer, uh, I can do it, you know, pure capitalism that has a scorched earth policy, right? Well, there's no wood in, in Europe anymore because they had that philosophy that you just keep building until it's gone. There was no replanting effort. There was no future thinking. You know, there was no long-term thought that you can't just use up resources without an idea of how they're going to be replenished. And that's, you know, the purest form of capitalism is scorched earth. Use it up, move on, make the next thing. You know, we're in that right now. We're overconsumed. We've got plastic crap everywhere. And I don't want a control. I, you know, capitalism at some level does work. The free market works. But free market has to have awareness that there's more than just you. You know, one of my favorite things was the seven generations. You know, that certain Native Americans made decisions based on how it would affect seven generations. And I thought that's a beautiful thing. You know, it's a, there is no perfect system, but we're in the process of experiencing what the system in America and in Western worlds we started with. And it doesn't work long-term. It works for some people for some of the time, but it's not a long-term. Empire is never a long-term solution. And now we get to start over, but the starting over process is excruciating because we're in the collapse process and it's heart-wrenching. And so, you know, I come to you with a million different thoughts and ideas and feelings and observations and none of it matters because today I just have to like get up. I'm exhausted, but I still have to take care of the dogs. I have to clean up post, you know, gross, nice night messes while everything's wet and drippy outside and broken. And, you know, that's just my day and that's real life. You know, there's no swooping in and fixing all of it. There's just making peace, you know, that this is my life and that 
you know, what dogs give me is greater than what they require of me, which most of the time is not getting up in the middle of the night when it's raining, but sometimes it is. And sometimes that means I'm tired. And sometimes that means I lose most of the day because this is who we are as human. And it would be awesome to have help. It would be awesome to have other people in proximity, you know, so you could put the dog somewhere, someone else could watch them, you know, and you could take a nap. You could put the the kids somewhere else and give the mom a time to do something else. But we have this crazy idea that it's better to hand off your kids to strangers instead of a community that of people you know and trust so that you can go out and make money to pay for people taking care of your kids who are strangers. So we have a lot of change that's going to need to happen in order for, I think, the quality of life for people to come back. But the, this next leg that we're all in, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm observing and I am uh, taken aback by how much harder it is and is going to be than I think I kind of imagined. And what I've understood intellectually, you know, I'm now getting to experience energetically and emotionally and practically, and it's hard. It's not perfect. And it's not something that anybody rescues you from. Uh, it's just a question every day, what's valuable? You know, what's valuable? And you know, what's the difference? Uh, I had an incident with my little propane burner, right? And uh, what's the difference between my propane stove breaking, which is, you know, $100 to replace versus my $2,000 stove breaking, right? It's still the same problem. It, it's not a money thing where money solves everything. Uh, it's not, uh, oh, I snap my fingers and get someone else to take care of it thing. You know, it's not, oh, you know, I just get my husband to take care of it thing and it nothing bad will ever happen. It just doesn't work that way. Life is full of these frustrations and these experiences. And we need all of us. I mean, the only real difference is, is how we choose to value and exchange and interact with each other more consciously. And, you know, unfortunately, the only way that really happens is when you have the experience. And all of this, you know, has been a lifetime of me having to let go of judgment and frustrations and problem solving, realizing that, you know, everyone's doing the best they can. It's never good enough. There is no solution that solves every problem. There is no moment where bad things don't happen. Uh, and everybody's got something going on inside their own home that's not fabulous. And it's heartbreaking. And then, you know, there's just the moments where the cuteness and the softness and the the validation and the love and the joy and the connection and the the gratitude and all the fabulous sides of things, of making something and seeing how beautiful it is, or fixing something and being so gratified that it works, or creating a meal that everybody loves, or, you know, being able to take care of them in their sickness and not having them be outside in the rain for 24 hours, you know, that they, we can still come back inside and dry off and all the little things that are still good. So I don't know, I, you know, I don't live in a world where I can't look at both sides. And and I know this has been a bit of a journey, you know, I've taken you on if you're still here. <laughs> but I do believe, you know, I do believe that we're here to experience and to understand and to grow. 
Uh, and the best way to do that is to feel things and to have things happen that you don't want. And it allows you to continuously sort out what you do want. And, you know, what I want is me and the dogs to be safe. I want us to be dry. You know, I want us to be fed. And and I want to produce something of value. And I want that value to be more than a, a th- something superficial, something useless that can be bought and then tossed away, you know, two years later when it's just one more thing that you've purchased. You know, I want that thing to be something of value that's a moment, that's a rea- that's a reality check. There's there's a a diff- a change of heart, a change of mind. Uh, I want to I want that to be valuable. And uh, whether it will or be I, not be, I can't control that because historically, you know, we value what we produce and how we function. And as I am winding down my productive functional capacity, uh, you know, I'm asking myself, well, what is important? What is valuable? What do I have left to give? What do I want to give? I don't want to give you one more thing to buy. I want to give you one more moment where there's peace and joy and love and gratitude in your heart and your spirit. I hope it's not raining again. I guess it's time to go. They've been very good and patient. We're almost 30 minutes past our normal morning walk. All right, links and stuff below. Uh, Thank you for being here. I'm very, very grateful for all of you. So we're going to uh, say goodbye. And I, my friends, will see you next time.